Well, hello, and welcome back to the Master Books podcast. Today, I have a very special guest, Bill Foster. He has published three books with Master Books. You may have already seen them. You, one of them is Meet the Skeptic, and it is a powerful book to help you have really good conversations with people who do not believe the Bible is true. We're also going to talk to Bill about two of his other books. Bill is a graphic designer, and he has designed these books in a way that make them very easy to read. So one of the ones that we'll talk about first is how to read the Bible literally. And another one he has with us is how the Bible works. And that is helping somebody see the interconnectivity of the stories and the books of the Bible. So all three of these books that Bill Foster has written help us do a great job of knowing the Lord, knowing the word, knowing the gospel, and sharing it with people who don't understand it yet. So stay tuned. We're going to have a great conversation with Bill. Welcome to the Master Books Podcast, where we bring you conversations that will strengthen your biblical worldview and the faith of your family. I'm Jennifer White, publicist at Master Books, a division of New Leaf Publishing Group. As host of this show, I'll be opening the doors to the Master Books family library of books, authors, and curriculum. For over 45 years, our company has been about one thing, ink on paper to touch eternity. In a world increasingly at war with God, we are publishing to partner with you to disciple your family, the church, and the nations. Well, hi, Bill. Welcome to the podcast. Uh, hey, it's good to see you again. It's been a little while. It has. Bill and I worked together almost a decade ago, maybe a little more than a decade ago when he came out with his first book, Meet the Skeptic. I had the privilege of helping him launch that book, and I'm so excited to be back on the podcast with him today for him to share with you because you weren't around possibly back then. We weren't even selling homeschool curriculum back in those days, Bill, but now we have so many families, homeschool families who listen to the podcast and shop at masterbooks.com to help their families know the word and live the word and have an excellent academic life as well. So today I'm talking to Bill about three of his books. We're going to talk about each one for a few minutes and end up on the one that I want you to know about the most, which is Meet the Skeptic. And Meet the Skeptic is going to give you a framework to have conversations with people who don't yet believe the Bible is true. But before we talk about that, as we are launching into 2023, can you believe it that we're at 2023? I thought I was going to be so old when it became the year 2000, and here we are. But we're going to talk about just eternity, the importance of focusing on eternity. And um, our mission at Master Books, which you probably already know, but I love to say it, is ink on paper to touch eternity. And so we are touching eternity with every conversation, with every way that we live out the word of God. And so Bill's books help us do that. So Bill, thanks again for joining the podcast to share with us why, who are you, what you've done, and, and why these books. Tell us about that. Uh, well, <clears throat> as you mentioned, I, I, I have illustrated, I guess, all three, uh, two or, or more based on that than the other, but uh, they all have some kind of visuals in them to help. And uh, my day job is graphic design. And mm -hmm. uh, before that, I mean, I was an English major before I went to art school. So the verbal visual thing is my side of the brain. Um, 
you don't want me singing a solo or doing your taxes, but um, I can do the other side pretty well. I guess I was convicted uh, back in probably art school that I didn't really know very much about what I believed. I mean, I, I was still a believer, but I just didn't know how to articulate it. And um, after being challenged there and then uh, moving and joining a church that I'm still a church uh, part of now, uh, that had a very mature singles group. And mm-hmm. that challenged me to know some things that I probably should have known and didn't. And, um, you know, from there, I, I don't I don't know where the apologetics part of it came from. I, I know my wife's stepmom gave me a copy of Norm Geisler's uh, When Critics Ask or When Skeptics <laughs> Ask, one of the two. Um, and uh, and that just clicked. And uh, so I thought, you know, it, it, it became a burden, a good burden that, mm-hmm. you know, people should know these things. I, I, I feel like, you know, I need to tell whoever, whomever. Who will um, listen, that became, yeah. And, and that became um, mostly students, um, teenagers and college students and adult audiences, too. But where my wife and I spend our time at church most is with high school students trying to prepare them to go off to college or work or wherever they're going without getting their faith totally, you know, beaten out of them. Absolutely. That is something that we are so focused on as we are preparing families who have students who are going to graduate from homeschool and they will possibly go into college or a career. Either way, they will meet people who do not believe the same as they've believed or they have studied and Um, It's important to equip them. And the moms of Masterbooks have been doing that so diligently and dutifully. And so I'm excited for them to hear about your resources. So tell us for a few minutes about one of your books, How to Read the Bible Literally. Why did you decide to write this particular book and who is it for? Right. Um, That one goes specifically back to I guess being an English major and, and reading critically, whether it's whether you're reading the Bible or anything else, um, and just pointing out how some things get misconstrued, how mm-hmm. even um, believers that have been in church for a long time can read over something or, or hear it so often it's not necessarily correct. Um, so really paying attention to to those um, critical reading rules, um, you know, the the, the context and. Uh, the figures of speech and and all of those things that play into what a passage actually means. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I, I, in the book, I point out some things, several, some some not that heavy, but it gets a little deeper as you go into the book, some issues that have been misconstrued and misread um, by some, some of them fairly well-known people mm-hmm. um, and using those as an, as an example for what to do and what not to do. Good. And so you do it very graphically, right? It's a simple book to read or how big is it? And, and who do you hope reads it? Right. Uh, it, it's not a very long book. I can't even remember how, what the number of pages are, but it's meaty. Um, every book I write is pretty much written the same way. There's no fluff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it's as concise as I can make it because I know people's time is valuable and I know me and I want to get to the point when I'm reading something and I want to get to the point when I'm writing something. So um, that's what this little book and uh, the companion book, how to read the Bible, uh, the, uh, how the Bible works, mm-hmm. um, how they, how they work. Um, and it's for anybody. Um, I've taught it to both students and adults as a preso. I have, I have everything. I've transferred all of my graphics into um, slide form 
PowerPoint form. Okay. And, and it's fun to teach. And uh, I've gotten good response from it that way. So it's a good a good way to get into the book. People do the watch the prezo and then they, you know, they'll say, okay, you know, now I can I can I can look at this book and have a have a quick start on it. And so Bill, could a homeschool mom or homeschool parent, grandparent teach from these two books that you're talking about, how to read the Bible literally and how the Bible works? Could they do that in a co-op class or maybe at Sunday school or in a church group setting? Uh, they absolutely could. And they could break it up. I think uh, how the Bible works is in seven chapters. And so okay. you could do a chapter per session or you can take longer. Like, like one of the chapters is um, if you had to boil it down, what are the 20 major events in the Bible? So you could spend a long time on that, just on those mm -hmm. 20, but you could go over it in summary form if you wanted to. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it does lend itself to, to small groups very well. Perfect. It sounds also like it would be a great reference book to go back to often. Many families have multiple students that they are teaching the Bible to and raising over a long period of time and just one of my favorite preachers likes to say, sometimes our faith leaks, you know, we just forget things. We get busy. We get off on another topic that's important to us. And it's great to have these very concise resources to go back to and to teach again to your students or to your church or just review for yourself. That's right. Yeah. Um, yeah. All of them are like that. They're, they're really like little reference books, all three of okay. them. Uh, including Meet the Skeptic. Uh, I've told people that you don't even have to read Meet the Skeptic in order. You can just read the, the intro and then the, the rest of it's four different parts. So you can read whatever part you're interested in or whatever part um, corresponds to a conversation you're having with somebody, whether it's... A, right. Tell yeah. us about Meet the Skeptic. I know you've got four different... Um frameworks or a framework to to work off of and then four different categories of skeptics that you teach about tell us what we're going to find when we get to meet the skeptic mm -hmm. um yeah the subtitle is a field guide for faith conversations so okay. it's meant to be used it's meant to be practical not just information um and a lot of it is based on words um stopping people when they use a term that they may not pour the same definition into that you do mm -hmm. um, in asking questions. But um, there are four categories that I break the book into, and it's moral, spiritual, scientific, and biblical. And those are the four kinds of skepticism that a person could express. Um, a person could be all of those skeptics in one because mm. people are complicated. Um, so <laughs> it depends on what kind of conversation you're having with them and, and pinning them down to that conversation. They can keep throwing out objections from bounce from one to the other, but, but you're not a human encyclopedia. So you need to stop them and say, okay, do you really want an answer to whatever this is? And then have in your head, okay, I know he's talking about, if I had to put it into a category, this is a moral objection. So the book leads you through moral terms it leads you to questions to ask from that category. So it's four categories. It's not memorizing hundreds of answers. It's four right. categories. So yeah, there are things that help you that would help you to remember mm -hmm. uh, or that would be helpful to remember, but it, it's not meant to be that. It, it's meant to be pliable, you know, to adjust it to whatever con conditions that there are in the conversation. Right. And what I'm picturing when you're explaining that is kind of like a mental maze. You walk into the conversation 
and you are evaluating which way do I need to go based on what they're saying. And instead of what you said in your book, instead of playing a game of fetch with all their objections that they're bringing to the table, you're listening for one of these four categories and that helps you know which direction to go in talking to them. Doesn't necessarily give you exactly what to say, but does give you a framework, like you said, to or scaffolding for the way the conversation is going to go. And I love what you're saying about, you know, some people just keep talking and maybe don't even want to stop and listen to what you have to say. They just have their argument already so solidified in their minds that they're not really wanting to have a conversation. What do you do in those situations? Yeah, I, I think um, one of the first things you should do is ask a good question. And, okay. and maybe the first one should be, do you really want an answer? And you know, if you say that in the right way, <laughs> um, so that you're not really getting defensive, but ask, mm-hmm. you, know, do, I, you know, I know that you're, you're, you're putting out a lot of information here. Do you really want an answer from me on it? Or have you already made a decision? Uh, if mm-hmm. you want an answer from me, I'd be glad to provide one. Um, but if not, you know, maybe we sh- we shouldn't talk about this subject, but um, yeah. Uh, if, and if they want an answer, then ask them some more questions specifically. What is your, what is your real issue? I, I think a classic example was one time at the gym when my wife was on a treadmill and a guy was next to her and they sort of knew each other just from the gym. And he mentioned, uh, or he looked at what book she was reading. She was reading a book on, um, it was one of the books by Philip Johnson, I think, on on evolution and, um, or, or breaking down evolution. And his problem was not scientific. He didn't, he, he kind of turned up his nose at the book that, you know, evolution is definitely true, blah, blah, blah. But his issue wasn't that he disbelieved Christianity or that Christianity was silly for not believing in evolution. It was that his wife, my wife found out, was extremely ill and mm-hmm. he didn't know why she wasn't getting better and God wasn't helping. Mm-hmm. So um, that became a, a really personal issue. And that's really more of a moral issue, not a scientific issue. It's a moral issue because God's not fair. Mm-hmm. Um, God's not good. Um, so I'm mad at him and I don't believe he exists, but I'm mad at him, you know, mm-hmm. so in a something like that, you have to be really careful because that's a personal heavy issue. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you, you know, you, you, in that particular one, you wouldn't want to get too academic with it because it's, it's human. So, right. Right. So I love that it's going to help each person who reads or studies the book to be prepared to really be compassionate, to really not just blast them with information about you need to know this, you know, I know it and you don't, but to have a real conversation to really explore like you're on a safari or on a, you know, on an adventure where you're exploring what they're in a real conversation where you really care about what they have to say to, to know how to take the conversation and with your book and the help of the Holy spirit to have real meaningful conversation that leads to them having maybe even better questions so that you can give them more truth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, th- that's a good point. I, I think, and I'm, I'm as competitive as anybody. I love to win, mm-hmm. but, but you're going to lose. You know, if you go for the win, um, mm-hmm. it, it, it's not about winning. They're not your enemy. You know, wouldn't it be great if this believer who's very smart, probably, and and, you know, 
would be great if they were a believer, if, if they had as much enthusiasm over real truth as they do over their skepticism, then they would be a real benefit to the kingdom. So if, if you try to see people like that, and, and it can be tough sometimes, sometimes when it can get heated, <laughs> then it, then you are kind of opponents, but the object is to try not to do that. And, I, and I, that's preaching to me as much as to anybody, mm-hmm. uh, because it's it's easy to do. Yeah. One of the authors that I like to listen to described um, having a conflict um, instead of seeing yourself as you're on one side of the table and they're on the other side of the table and you're duking it out. One has to be the winner instead being on the same side of the table and looking at the issue together. So I think that if we can see ourselves as Perhaps this is not a Christian yet, but a potential brother and sister in Christ that you're having a conversation with your family, you know, a potential family member. You want to build unity. You don't want to divide, you know, and and they may be ready for a fight because they don't want to look stupid or they've been been with someone before who made them feel small or judged. And so it's really our our work to believe the truth and then be prepared, skillfully prepared with books like yours to have really good, loving conversations. Yeah. And and, and on that note, I I think it helps if you're one-on-one rather than Mm -hmm. if they're with their friends or you're with your friends, because then it's what what you said, you don't want to look silly in front of your friends. Um, So you're not going to admit to something, even if you no, it's probably true from the other side. You're just not going to admit it because you're going to save face. Mm-hmm. So if you're one-on-one and you're in the demeanor, you know, it is good, then you can, you can have a good exchange. Right. So tell us about an instance where you have had a conversation with somebody based on your framework and how it went. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. This summer I was playing tennis with a college professor and, um, I, I had never played tennis with him before, so it's not like we were old friends or anything. We got along pr- pretty well. And he's an anthropology professor. So that's very, um, very academic. And, and he was, you could tell, very uh, secure um, mm-hmm. what he believed. And um, I, I think one thing to remember is even if you're talking to a Ph.D., a Ph.D. is a very narrow uh, area of expertise. Okay. You know, a Ph.D. doesn't know everything about everything. Um, so don't be intimidated, but sometimes it comes down to a really simple question. So I I knew I was in a, I would say scientific, probably, um, conversation with him. He's talking about ancient civilizations. And of course he's, he's adding many more thousands of years to it than I would, but I did, I chose not to get into that. I I kind of (laughs) let that go. And, um, he said he knew that the, um, the, the Bible had good things in it. Um, so now it's so, okay. So now we bounce into a Bible conversation, right? You know, things, things are fluid and that's fine. Um, and he said, uh, um, but I don't think it's, it's, you know, it's absolutely true. There's error in it. I, I said, really? I said, can you give me an example? So he said, oh, well, um, you know, the, the temple of Solomon, you know, um, it wasn't built by, by that demon, like the Bible says. And I said, I'm not sure what you're talking about. You know, um, what demon do you mean? Uh, you know, because I, as far as I've read it, um, and I've read it many times, I don't think the temple was built by a demon. And he, and he named something. I don't know where he got this. Okay. Um, 
And I said, well, you know, that's interesting. I said, you know, the Temple of Solomon was built by Solomon. You know, if you go back and look, it's very, you know, the the, the passages are, are, are very clear about, you know, he was overbuilding. He was overburdening his people, um, you know, taxing them and building and building and building. And he he, he put a lot on them and uh, definitely belongs to him, um, you know, because David wanted to build one and God told him, no, your son is going to be the one to build it. So he built it. Um, and I just said, you know, I, I think, you know, if you go back, if you read that in the Bible, I don't know where you're, that's coming from, but that's not what it says. So, you know, um, you know, I, I'll, I'll be glad to concede if you see something in the Bible that is kind of peculiar, but I don't think that's one of them, you know. Um, okay. So, you know, and it was fine. I mean, we were, we were both, you know, it, it was on good footing. So. Um, mm -hmm. Uh, and he, he sent me some things and, I, and later on, you know, th th that week and I sent him some things, you know, we can, we, we researched it ourselves from there, not particularly that issue, but some other things that we talked about. So just a simple question. Uh, a question is always better uh, right. than, than starting because you may be starting where they're really not interested or, or, or where, where they're really not at, at in their, in their life. Mm-hmm. So when I was reading the reviews of Meet the Skeptic, I noticed several themes that were coming up, people that have used your resource. And I wanted to share that with the listeners that um, Leslie in particular said, this was exactly what I was looking for to better be able to share my faith with others. And I was, she said, I was always so nervous about saying the wrong thing or offending somebody. And this has helped me and is one I'll probably read again and refresh. And another person mentioned that, it was a great tool to equip herself with and to have hard conversations, but in a graceful and loving way. So I, I love that both women brought that out, that this is an opportunity to deal gracefully and lovingly. I mean, kindness, the kindness of the Lord leads to repentance. Um, we want to have, we, we want these people the people that don't know what we've been graced to know so far to know what we know, you know, to, to have salvation, to have mercy. So I'm just so thankful that you've written it in a way that, like you said, makes um, verbally and uh, picturesquely, you know, with your, with your graphic design, a way that we can follow a framework that's like riding a bike. Like you just know, oh, if they said this, if they're saying this, then this is going to be moral or this is going to be academic. And so you know where to take the conversation. And then as we've mentioned um, before, that there are other resources that we offer that will help you know exactly how to um, have the details of what a specific religion or cult believes. But this is just knowing just walking up in into a conversation with somebody and being able to gracefully walk through what they're believing and knowing where to go with it it's just a framework not a specific answer that you need to have memorized right yeah uh i, I from time to time i'll get um, a comment somebody will send me a message and a few years ago i got one from a young woman in the netherlands oh and um, she got a copy of the book and mm -hmm. uh, she said that she used it on the train. Go, it was either to and from class or to and from her job um, back and forth. 
Um, so she she kind of had it with her, and w- which was great because it's a you know you can qu- quickly go to something in it and and pick out a, a nugget here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's the way she was using it, so I thought that was cool. I love that, and I was also reading um, something that you had written in the book that the book will help people become a better critical thinker, articulator, and defender of your biblical worldview. And isn't that what we want for? this next generation to be a better critical thinker because we are living in a time in a culture where um, we are taught. Everybody just gets to decide what the truth is. They just, you're, you're the author of your own truth and you get to live that way. And that is not what is going to happen when we stand before the Lord, that will not be the case. So to become a critical thinker, a great articulator, and a defender of the biblical worldview. What better thing could we focus on in 2023? And I want to thank you, Bill, for writing these resources, helping us have better conversations. And I want to bless those who are listening today with the true humility and fear of the Lord that leads them into the deep dive of of knowing, of studying, so that you're ready for those conversations, so that your children are ready for those conversations. And that you have the words and the mental framework to have conversations that truly matter. So thank you for being, yeah, thank you for being here. Thanks everybody for joining us. We're going to see you back on the next podcast. Y'all check out the show notes. I'll have links to meet the skeptic. We'll have links to both of the other books that we mentioned. And um, you also, I forgot to mention that, Bill's uh, Meet the Skeptic also comes as a small group package. So if you want to have your church or your family or a group um, with a co-op go through this study as a small group, we have all the resources for that as well. That's right. Yeah. All right. Thanks a lot. We'll see y'all next time. Bye-bye. Hey, thanks for joining the Master Books podcast. This was fun and we are really glad you were with us. We invite you to check out masterbooks.com. We have a big library of books that will feed the faith of your family. And hey, subscribe to our channel so you won't miss an episode. We'll see you next time.